Taylor, great job as always with our communion and our offering devotions. As the ushers are coming forward to collect the offering in your attendance cards, grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 12. And if uh, you didn't bring your Bible, that's all right. We have pew Bibles for you to use. John chapter 12 can be found on page 1065. And as we begin this morning, I uh, wish you a happy winter storm warning Palm Sunday. Now, you've never uttered those words before, have you? Winter storm warning Palm Sunday. Um, I never thought I'd be breaking the sweater out again this this winter season. My wife wishes that I would throw the sweater away forever, but I think I'm styling. So I'm staying staying with the sweater. It's not going anywhere. Um, Today really is an important day because it begins what I believe is the most important week in the church calendar. Palm Sunday all the way through Thursday where the, the Lord's Supper is instituted to Good Friday and on to Victory Sunday, as I like to call Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And Jim Koontz and the creative arts team and the staff here has had a passion for quite some time that we want you to get the absolute most out of this week. That's why today is a very special service. When I get done preaching and we have the invitation, don't leave, okay? It doesn't even look like it's snowing yet. We have a very special ending to our service you will not want to miss. Thursday night, we're going to have the the Lord's Supper uh, service here at FCC. It'll be the third or fourth year that we've done it. Um, It is usually a very um, low-attended service. It's one of my favorite services every year. And I would just encourage you, this Thursday, 7 o'clock, come on out. You will be moved. It will give you a totally different perspective on the Thursday of Holy Week. Friday, we're doing an FCC prayer service at noon, and there's a variety of things that will be happening, but it's a very um, special and somber way to celebrate Good Friday, a day that is uh, every bit as important to the faith as Resurrection Sunday. Friday night, we have our Community Good Friday service, as we do every year. The Nazarenes are hosting it this year and are going to do a great job with that. Jim Koontz is a part of the service. I think you're reading. Is that right? It's going to be a very moving service. And then Sunday morning, Easter at FCC, 8, 15, and 11 o'clock. Just around the corner, there's some important dates that you need to know about. We only have two Wednesdays left for Families at First. This Wednesday and next Wednesday, April 3rd, will be our final Families at First. Two weeks from today, April 7th, we're starting a brand new sermon series that's going to take us through the months of April and May, and we're going to be encouraging you to read a book with me and with the other staff members as we journey through these sermons on Sunday mornings. It's entitled Not a Fan. Some of you know that book. Some of you have that book. We've purchased, I think, 125 copies of them, and we're selling them at cost. I think the cost is is $8. Is that what we determined the cost is? Um, If you have e-readers or iPads or any of that stuff, you can get it electronically. We're going to have those books available on the 7th. For you to purchase. And, and the, the basic idea is, are you a fan of Jesus Christ or are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And Eidelman's premise, and I think he's right, in America today there's a lot of fans and we're called to be followers. This will be a very dangerous series. This could change your life forever type of sermon series. And that's going to start two weeks from today. We do an Easter offering every year and this year's Easter offering has been designated for Lincoln Christian University. We are trying to raise money to endow a scholarship in the name of J. Kent Hickerson. That's Kent, for those of you that don't know his full name. 
Kent has been serving our church for almost 30 years. This Labor Day weekend will mark 30 years that the Hickersons have been in Clinton. And we would like to endow a scholarship to ensure that future ministry students from this congregation, they'll have the first priority, will have the funds needed to train for ministry. We're thinking about the next generation of Kent Hickersons. So I really would encourage you to give and to give generously. It's a great cause. We're inviting the entire community to join us in that, and that that launches right now as I share this announcement. Last announcement that I want to make. Wait, I've got two. Um, Do you like the new cross? Milt Trummel from our congregation built that with his hands. Give him a hand. He's not here, but give him a hand. He's a first service guy. Um, That might be the the most moving cross I've ever witnessed. I'd encourage you after service, you're allowed to come up on stage. Check it out up close. It is absolutely beautiful, and I'm really thankful. And Adam, I'm sure you hit this, but tonight all activities have been canceled because the storm of the century is coming. Okay, let's dive in. God's Word. We've been in the Gospel of John all year, and we're staying in the Gospel of John for the next two weeks. And the first 11 chapters of the Gospel of John chronicle the three-year public ministry of Jesus. And it's basically three years crammed into 11 chapters. What John does, a little bit different than Matthew or Mark or Luke, that I absolutely love, is he spends almost half of his book, almost half of his gospel, talking about the last week of Jesus's earthly public ministry. From Palm Sunday to the events of Thursday to Good Friday to Resurrection Sunday. And that's just basically an understanding of the Gospel of John. Today, we're going to look at John chapters 12 and 13 and this big idea of what difference does Palm Sunday make? What difference does the Sunday before Easter really make? And I would just throw this out as a premise for the whole message today. You can't always judge a book by its cover. Sometimes you see something and you draw conclusions, and those conclusions turn out to be 100% false. And I think that's what Palm Sunday is all about. We're going to read the first part of John chapter 12, and you will sense the excitement. You will want to grab a palm branch. Our first through third graders made palm branches today. You'll want to grab a palm branch, and you'll want to wave it and say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But you can't always judge a book by its cover. So today's sermon is really two acts. In act one, I wrestled all week about what to call it, and I came up with party in the Lord today. I came up with a little spoof off the Miley Cyrus song, and I was going to actually sing it to you today, but then I realized I'm 43, I'm trying to be adult-like in my life, so we're going to leave Miley to do whatever she does, and I'm not going to sing to you today. But I did want to try to capture what would a massive awesome, incredible celebration look like. And I thought about, what have I witnessed, say, in the last several weeks that would really captivate party in the Lord today? And are we ready yet or not? Or do I need to talk a little bit more? I'm good. Let's look at party in the Lord today.
that took place on Thursday night, February 7, at about 9 o'clock at night, and I've been trying to come up with an excuse to show it in church ever since. What a celebration! Game-winning shot, number one team in the nation defeated. You know you're not supposed to run on the court if you're a fan, but you just can't hold yourself back. And before long, there are hundreds, maybe a thousand people dancing on the floor, stepping on players, injuring people for, for all time probably, because they're partying like there's no tomorrow. And that, my friends, is what John chapter 12 was like in many ways. Party in the Lord today. We're going to read a lot of scripture. So I want you to have your Bible. We're going to put the scripture up on the screen as well. But party in the Lord today really entails two parts, the anointing and the triumphal entry. And I want to read about it and talk about it a little bit. So let's start with the anointing, the beginning part of John chapter 12. Here's the word of the Lord. Six days Before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Now, we studied Lazarus being raised from the dead like a month ago. Five weeks ago is when we studied it here. John, it's the very next story. He tells the the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and then we go to John chapter 12. So forget that it's been five weeks. Think that it was yesterday that this took place. Verse 2. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance, the, the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, whom was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you. You will not always have me. Now, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and they came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he'd raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. And this anointing is the beginning of the party. It's the beginning of the celebration. And yet, even in the midst of the anointing, there is a foreshadowing of what's about to take place just a couple days later. Jesus says, this was intended to prepare me for burial. Jesus is saying, my time on earth is about to come to a conclusion. It's about to It's about to be all done. Now, have you ever been at a house where somebody takes a spray of some sort? And maybe like with me, I do like one little splash of of cologne. But maybe they do like 8 or 10 or 12 splashes of cologne. And it just permeates the whole room. My son has found out about Axe Body Spray. I don't know if you guys know what Axe Body Spray is not. But he had a friend spend a night. I can't remember who it was. But I walked in the bedroom and I thought I was going to absolutely pass out. Because they'd sprayed like a whole can of the thing, and oh man, it just captivated you. It just took your breath away, you know? You'd want to smell a, a baby's diaper if you cut. It was, just, it was just awful. Well, maybe not a baby's diaper. Maybe that's a bad example. That's what's playing out here. You can't miss the fragrance. 
You can't miss the aroma, and a message is being sent. It's party in the Lord today. Well, not only is there the anointing, but we also see the triumphal entry. And this is what we think of when we think of Palm Sunday most of the time. Let's read together John 12, beginning with verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and they took palm branches, and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now, at first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things that had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he'd given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Him. And I showed you that clip of a basketball game from February 7th, and I'm an Illini fan, and I love that, and some of you are Illini fans, and you love it. We did have some Indiana Hoosier fans in church, praise God, first service, and they told me afterwards they didn't appreciate it very much, and I said, hey, too bad, right? But do you realize that a basketball game celebration doesn't even begin to compare with the celebration that took place on the streets of Jerusalem? And somebody asked me after first service, what does it mean when many Jews were starting to come over to him? Here's what it means. For three years, Jesus has had this public ministry. And some people are buying it, and some people aren't. But the religious leaders are basically saying, this guy's a fraud. He's not the Messiah. He's a false prophet. He's going to destroy Judaism. And what's happened is when Lazarus was finally raised for the dead, many that were kind of on the fence... Many that weren't really sure what they believed, they realized he's the one. He is the Messiah. He is the hope. We need to put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. And the religious leaders, they are afraid. They are scared. I think it's summarized well in verse 19. This is getting us nowhere. The whole world has gone after him. Now, I should pray right now. And we should just call it a day because that's the story of Palm Sunday. It's a day of celebration. It's party in the Lord today. But you know, Jesus doesn't stop talking. Jesus has some realities for his followers. And that's part two of our our message today. Jesus shares some tough realities for his followers to swallow. And yet, you can't truly appreciate the events of Holy Week if you don't understand these realities that Jesus is sharing. And reality, number one, is this. Let's put that up on the screen. Jesus says, it's not about living in worldly power, but it's about dying in God's will. It's not about living in worldly power. It's about dying in God's will. Let me read several verses of Scripture. We're going to put the key verses up. Um, in verse 23 of John chapter 12, here's what Jesus tells those who he, who he is closest to. He says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Number one, it's not about living in worldly power. It's about dying in God's will. See, for even those closest to Jesus, even those who bought in, I'm convinced, they were convinced, it was going to be a worldly reign. He was going to become the governor of Israel or Judah. He was going to become the mayor. That's a, that's a term that they didn't use back in the time, but the mayor of Jerusalem. That he was going to live in a palace, and they were going to be secretary of state and secretary of defense and secretary of the treasury. And Jesus says, oh no, my friends, you've got it all wrong. It's not about living in worldly power. It's about dying in God's will. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross every day and follow me. Reality number one, it's not about living in worldly power. It's about dying in God's will. Reality number two, Jesus says, it's not about reigning over the top of others But instead, it's about serving with humility. A year ago, I had the opportunity in March of 2012 to go to the state house and to say the the invocation, the prayer, for all of the House of Representatives for the state of Illinois. It's a really cool deal. I got this little badge, guest whatever, and, you know, all the lobbyists were envious of me. Can we trade passes and all of that? And uh, They said basically go anywhere you want to. So I tried to go anywhere I wanted to. And the governor was around that day, and I'm not really sure why, but I saw the governor, so I decided I'm going to walk up to the governor, and I'm going to say, I'm Greg Taylor from First Christian Church of Clinton, Illinois, but that guest pass didn't have governor privileges, okay? And real quickly, two real big guys were in my grill. You're not, you're not going down there. You're not hanging out with the governor today. And you know, it's his loss, quite honestly, right? <laughs> Maybe not. If President Obama came to central Illinois, and you decided, hey, I'm a First Christian Church guy or gal, I'm just going to go up and see him, you're probably not going to get within shouting distance more than likely. And if you try to fight the Secret Service, that would be a really bad move. Because our people in authority, the people that reign, the people that rule, we protect them. We make sure that guys like me, dressed in sweaters like this, stay away from them in many ways. But Jesus says it's not about reigning over the top of others, it's about serving with humility. I want to read for you most of John chapter 13, the story that I I think is unlike maybe any other account when it comes to what humility should look like. Jesus taught his disciples a lesson. Listen to God's word, John 13. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Now, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served. And the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. 
But Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Peter replied, not just my feet and my hand, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Now catch this. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. The word of the Lord, John chapter 13. It's not about reigning over the top of others, but it's serving with humility. I get really bent out of shape, i got to be honest with you. When I hear about people that wear the label preacher or pastor or minister or whatever it may be, and then they show me their $5 million home that they live in or their garage that's full of Mercedes and luxury automobiles. Am I saying that you can't have a luxury automobile? I'm not saying that. But I think one of the staples that Jesus taught us is that it's serving with humility, not reigning with power and glory that makes all the difference in the world. And when I read John chapter 13, I am reminded that there's times I have to get on my knees and I have to serve. And you have to get on your knees and you have to serve. Some people say, well, Solomon was the richest person in the history of the world. David had worldly goods. A lot of the Old Testament kings were wealthy beyond wealth. And I say, I want to be like Jesus. I don't want materialism to define who I am. And so that's a long way for me to say to you this week, look for an opportunity to serve someone else in the name of Jesus. Just thinking of our community here in Clinton. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. And there are people that have heard about Jesus, but they are certainly not living for Jesus. And they, they need the Bible. They, they need a sermon. They need a Bible verse. But they're probably not going to listen to a sermon. They're probably not going to listen to a Bible verse. They probably don't want to hear you preach. But if you humble yourself and serve them in the name of Jesus, that's the greatest sermon they could hear at that moment in time. And before long, they might be in here. They might be at Sunday school class or link group or Bible study or wherever it may be. John 13, Jesus says, you want to change the world? Serve one another. Love one another with humility. And that was a tough pill for many of his disciples to swallow because they had their sights set on human glory. Reality number one, it's not about living in worldly power, but dying in God's will. Reality number two, it's not about reigning over the top of others, but serving with humility. And number three, some are going to get it. Many will not. I'm not even going to put any more scripture up on the screen. I'm just going to tell you the rest of chapter 13 and the rest of Holy Week. We see some people that get it. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, they got it. They risked it all to bury Jesus on Good Friday. Many 
just don't get it. And you know, isn't that a great picture of America in 2013? Some get it. Many just don't understand. My guess is there's someone in your life that thinks you're crazy for even being here today. Because there's a winter storm warning out. Why not stay home? Why not build a fire? Why not make a pot of chili? Why not relax? Why not watch basketball on TV? Why not watch Meet the Press? Why would you go out in such awful weather simply to go to church? They just don't get it. And it reminds me that my job and your job is never done until everyone hears it. And everyone gets it. What's the bottom line today? Well, this message is really a to be continued. You need to come back Thursday night and Friday and next Sunday. But I am convinced that Holy Week, the last week of Jesus's earthly ministry, is the story of God's grace. God's grace being poured out to people that need it so incredibly. And so I leave you with a question. Are you in God's grace? If not, do something about it. But what about the people in your life? Is there someone you know that isn't reveling in the grace of God? What will you do about it? Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for a a look at just a day of celebration that really turns somber in a hurry with some tough realities. But yet we understand that those tough realities brought us the greatest news of all. Your grace, your hope, your truth. Father, it's my prayer that today and this week, it won't just be spring break. It won't just be downtime. It won't just be more church services. But that we will truly connect with what was happening in the first century. What was going through Jesus' mind and heart? And what are we being called to do today? Help us to always embrace your call on our lives, your will for our lives. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It's invitation here as it is every week at FCC. And if you have a decision to make for Jesus Christ, we invite you to come forward. If you're in need of prayer, I'd love to pray with you this morning as we stand and the team leads us in our song of commitment. seat. Uh, we have a special presentation that uh, we want you to pay attention to for just a few moments, and, uh, and then I'll come back and close things out.
Excuse me, are, are you Susanna? All day. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So I was just at the office and they told me that, that this is where all the chicks hang out. <laughs> okay. Um, this is where I'm guessing you've heard that one before, right? No, never. First time. The ironic mix of slang and seasonal humor is completely original to me. Okay. Um, hi. I'm, I'm Robin. Okay. Um, I started working here like 15 seconds ago, and they said that you're supposed to take me under your wing. <laughs> Oh, come on. That one rocked and you know it. Okay. Welcome to the Peeper family of Easter sugar products. The quality control worker stands in front of the conveyor belt watching the little yellow Easter chick sugar products go by. If you noticed that one of the Easter chicks is not quite formed right or is not the perfect shade of Easter chicky yellow, it goes into the disposal bin right there. Congratulations. Now you know about as much about this job as I do. Great. Okay, well, well, how deformed? Or, and how off color? I mean, isn't there, is there some kind of standard peeper yellow chicky that I can look at? See the cute little chicky on the box? Which one? The one in the green grass playing around or the one hopping out of the Easter basket? Whatever. Okay, I, yeah, I, I see the chicken. Yeah, okay. if it's not just that perfect hue of Easter yellow, okay, it goes in the bin for disposal. Got it. That one's good. Oh, 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 let me go get it. I'll go get no, it. No, 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 no. Leave oh. it there, leave it there, leave it there. It's right uh, on leave top. It in there. Once it's in the bad chick bin, there's no going back. He's right there. I can go get mm. it. Keep your eye on the chicks. Come on. <sighs> um, I think you should know. You just cost Mr. Peepers one and a half cents. I'm so sorry. Just so you know. Okay, I got it. <sighs> uh, okay, that one's is that, that bad? No, that one was bad. Uh, uh, no. How could you tell it's going by so fast? Because I've been doing this for five years. I got one. That means you could say that these chicks are your peeps. <laughs> uh, this one. This no. One. Oh, this that one. one's good. That oh, what are you doing? Oh. That is so nothing. Oh, do you uh, realize that uh, you just cost Mr. Peepers a penny and a half? Ugh, I know. Oh, that. Do you have any idea how many carbs are in this thing? Seven. Uh-uh. There's got to be more like a hundred carbs. There's like two days worth of sugar in this one little thing. No, seven chicks have gone by, uh, gone by while you've been blabbing. Oh, I, my bad. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh. Okay. Okay. 
Um, hey, hey, have you ever seen that I Love Lucy episode where um, Lucy and Ethel are working in the chocolate factory and they're doing this and it starts going really fast. So Lucy starts like shoving them in her mouth and she's all like, blah, 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 blah. And, then, and then it goes even faster and Ethel does the same thing and all they're like shoving all that chocolate in their mouth. It's I so, don't watch TV. Oh, right. Of course you don't. I mean, if you did... You could possibly actually laugh. Bad at one. Where? Bad Where? one. There. Bad one. Uh, bad yeah. one. That one. Bad one. Oh. Uh, his <sighs> eye was not. It, it was only off a little bit. Look. In the yellow chick business, you've got to be brutal. Are you telling me that there's like no grace at all? Exactly. Huh. Okay. You are the weakest chick. Goodbye. You got it. Good job. Uh, well, that is just lame. Well, look, in the chick business, there's either good chicks or there's bad chick. There's no fuzzy little middle yellow chicky ground. Well, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Oh, no, Because you're not. I believe no. in showing grace. No, you're so, not. So, you see this bad one right here? No, you're I'm not. letting it go no. by. No, yes. no, you're not. You don't no, touch don't my chicky. No, don't no. touch it out of the way. No, stay out of the way. No. reprieve. No, no, no. There are two kinds of chicks. Good chicks and bad chicks. Bad chicks don't go through. Bad chicks go there. Then you let it go through. I know. That's what Grace is. He didn't deserve it, but I let him go through. Even though his beak was tweaked a little bit, you know, that way. No, no. No! No tweaked beaks! No tweaked beaks! We have a zero tweaked beak policy! Wow. You are way too into this, Susanna. I mean, what if, what if this were us and, and I had to, you had to be on this belt? And, and we had to stand here and decide if you were going to go to packaging or if you had to go in the, the reject bin, if you were good or bad, what, what if we had to decide that about you? I mean, I would really hope that there would be someone standing here who had a little bit of grace when you came through. Yeah. You know, maybe someone like you. Maybe. Oh, oh, look, a tweaked beak. A tweaked oh, no, tweaked. no, 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 no. Let that one go. Okay. Yeah, the mean was my wife. She's really not like that. Hey, we have a special thing for you as you go. We want to teach a lesson on grace, not just for you, but we want you to share that lesson of grace with people uh, that you might come into contact with you. And as you exit this eve this morning, and hopefully it's not snowing too bad yet, but you're going to receive this. Every one of you needs to pick one up. And you have a choice. You can give it to someone, and if you really, really like peeps, you can um, eat it, I guess. But, but regardless... Please share, share the message of coming to church, especially next Sunday. On the, on the package, it says, not perfect, 
not a problem. You're invited to hear about God's grace this Easter Sunday, March 31st at First Christian Church, and it has our, our worship times. So I hope that you will tell your friends to come this, this Sunday. We expect to have large numbers of people, and we just want this to be just a grace full day. Let's all stand together as we close out our service. We're so glad that you've been with us, and uh, we just want to close this service in a word of prayer.